Stacy. I'm Jenny. And this is Learning for Life, a homeschool podcast. We are two homeschoolers who use different methods, curriculum, and strategies to make it all work. Our goal is to help parents teach kids how to develop a lifelong love of learning. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to part three of our summer book club in which we are reading together Home Education, Volume 1 by Charlotte Mason. I am joined today by Stacy, my usual Kids Learning for Life co-host, and we are also joined here by our longtime friend, and I, I would almost I would almost venture to say Charlotte Mason expert, but I know she's not <laughs> <has> a term. <laughs> oh, boy. That's Christine. Hello. <laughs> she's, um, she was homeschooled as a child, kind of within the Charlotte Mason method, and she is now homeschooling her own kids in the Charlotte Mason method. So that's really, really cool. And that's why we have her here, because I think she has a lot of great thoughts about Charlotte Mason. And um, I did want to mention here at the top, this is a podcast and a video. So if you're watching this on YouTube, but it would be more convenient to listen via a podcast, then you can always find us in your favorite podcast app. And of course, if you're listening to this as a podcast and you'd rather see our beautiful faces, then you can watch this on YouTube at any time, even though we are live now, it will always be available to you to watch. And also, I wanted to mention a really big thing that Stacey and I did this week is we announced that we are coming out with a film unit study curriculum that is going to be available July 18th. Ooh, oh, oh, oh. Oh, cute. Stacey's holding it up. So that is just a little taste as to what you can expect. So if you go to kidslearningforlife.com slash film, then you can see little teasers of what to expect and there's all sorts of information on there about who this curriculum's for and why we made it the way we did and what subjects it covers so go ahead and check that out because um i think a lot of you would really appreciate that and i think i think it'll work really well in a lot of families so we designed it to be multifaceted anyway okay I think that's all I needed to say right at the top. You can always comment live and we can react live to your responses and comments. And you can also just comment anytime, even if we're not live and we can always respond later. And also like this video and subscribe on your podcast app. I know I'm telling you guys a lot here at the top, but <laughs> there's just a lot of business we need to get to. Okay, Christine, let's dive into this part of the book, which... Um, what were your general thoughts about this part, which is called Habit is 10 Natures? What did you think about this? So I kind of had mixed thoughts because part of me was like, oh, this is really cool. And then part of me was like waiting for some really profound thing that didn't happen. Right. So no discredit to Charlotte mm -hmm. Mason, but I was like, oh, okay. Like that. It wasn't like anything I'd never heard before. But I did love um, just how counter culture this is because you know I, I was reading i don't even remember which one it was it was one of the like charlotte mason hand books or like you know like karen andriola's book or something like that and it said like children must not be left to their own nature and it really struck me because i thought that is so counter culture to like what like mainstream <laughs> parenting says like you know it's like speak your truth you know you do you boo follow your heart so like the idea of like telling a child or just instilling habits in a child that are moral centric or, you know, have a reason, a purpose behind them that may be counter nature for them is just 
it's like the antithesis of, of parenting in a lot of circles today. So that really struck me and it, it's just made me think this week. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I, I feel very similarly to you, Stacy. what were your overall takeaways for this section? Habit is 10 natures. I absolutely love talking about habits and seeing how they're utilized um, just in everyday life, not even just for children, but for adults. And so reading through this, I mean, I know, again, it's telling you how to teach children, but there was so much where I was able to take in kind of my own, like, understanding where I could grow in certain areas. Um, so not just, I mean, so again, even if you don't have children, this is a book that you can kind of read and kind of see like, oh, you know, the habits. And I do think that habits are very important. That's kind of um because there are good habits. And I think she even mentioned um, early on about how even a good habit of being giving, somebody can take too far. So like there's good habits and bad habits, but I think a lot of habits can be both um, depending on how they're used. So I just thought it was very eye-opening and I was able to take a lot out of it for myself and then to utilize with my children. I think Charlotte Mason is tapping into some Enneagram problems. So which Enneagram member are you <laughs> yeah. on? Uh, we should have people guess. Yeah. What do you think we are? Okay. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true, though. I really did like that. I um, I had similar thoughts to you guys. I think that the, the uh, topic of habits is really interesting. And we're going to get more into habits into the next section as well. So and I think I was kind of expecting this section to be okay how do we create good habits and it is kind of talking about that but it's more talking about why habits are important to us good habits are important to establish so it wasn't I mean I'm not a big nonfiction or self-help reader so this part to me was kind of like it felt of course it felt counterculture but it also kind of felt like a self-help book to me like trying to convince me to have do something better in my life. And I just, I don't want people nagging at me. So I'm like, <laughs> but I got through it and I do think that there were some interesting takeaways. So uh, yeah, I guess, Christine, is there anything that you wanted to kind of jump off with? Like, were there any yeah. topics that you wanted to talk about first? Yeah. So I think Stacy kind of touched on this already in this version. It's on page 105 and it says towards the bottom, it says, a mother forms her children's habits involuntarily. Mm-hmm. So I think just like the reality that your children are forming habits, whether you want them to or not. Like, I think it's something that everyone needs to acknowledge. Like I am teaching my children habits, period. It's just like, what habits am I teaching them? So you can be really intentional. I mean, like all of our kids are going to pick up bad habits from us for sure. Cause none of us are perfect, but you know, we can be really intentional and pass on really good habits. Um, or pass on really terrible habits. So I was kind of curious to hear from you guys. Like, obviously, she she doesn't go into a lot of details. Like, you just mentioned, Jenny. I think that kind of comes. But she's just kind of, like, scratching the surface. But what do you all, like, think some of the most important habits for your children are, like, in your, or your family, based on kind of the Charlotte Mason philosophy? Well, so one thing I wanted to say, because I really liked that quote, um, I put in my notes because I remember uh, – Back when I was, I was working, I, I had a full-time job and I was uh, either pregnant or I had just had my first daughter. And my boss there is kind of like a lifelong mentor to me even now. But I remember back then, and she's like, you know, she's like older. She had grown kids by this point. 
And I remember she told me like this parenting advice that really stuck with me. And basically it was, you can, you raise the children that you can tolerate. Mm -hmm. So basically you're going to allow things that you can, you feel like you can allow whether you mean to or not. And you need to make sure that if there are habits that you don't want your kids falling into, then you need to, you're going to deal with those because those are the things that are completely unacceptable to you. So that's what it kind of reminded me of is the Mm -hmm. importance of, you know, setting expectations and forming good habits. Um, For me personally, I mean, our biggest habit, I mean, I will be the first to say that habits are something that we really are lacking in, in our house. Uh, Well, in a way, I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at it, but our, our, our schedule is just so chaotic because of just things come up randomly and, um, we also have all sorts of things going on on our property at all times. So it's like, I don't feel like habits. I struggle with habits because I feel like no two days for us are ever the same. So it's like, how do you create a habit in that way? When like after breakfast today, we have to go to the feed store because we have a new baby goat that we have to get something for, or, you know, whatever, or, Oh, daddy, something just came up for work for daddy. So we can't do that thing that we said we were going to do. So um, for us, the biggest habit is like just sitting down and doing school after breakfast. And we do school pretty much every day. I even did it on 4th of July. Stacy secretly judged me. <laughs> Stacy, you're muted, by the way. I don't know if you know that. Yes, um, thank you. So okay. just a, a quick side note, I was muted. So comments have been enabled now for those of you that um, have maybe tried to comment and couldn't. Um, there was a button I had to push on six different screens away from here. So... <laughs> Oh, no. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for fixing it. (laughs) Good to know. Well, everyone can comment like crazy now. (laughs) The floodgates will open. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think just for us, the the most important habit to me is getting in the habit of doing schoolwork, the the math and copy work every day. Um, So what about you guys? What about you, Stacey? Yes. No, I'm, again, I think um, I'm a big proponent of, like, routines and schedules for sure. Um, and kind of doing it basically every day. And so I don't know if I'm like jumping ahead here, but I really found the part where she was talking about the example of teaching the boy to like close the door. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I found with this was I think nowadays, or especially for me, I can see so many things that I want to fix. And especially when you have multiple children, it's like, okay, that yeah, I want to fix this or I need to train this habit or whatever it is with all multiple children that it's a lot for me to process. So one thing I noticed was when she was talking about shutting the door, like that is the only thing that she was saying that that mother was working on at that time. So I know there's like five bajillion things in our heads sometimes that we're trying to like do, but for habits, it's really important to be intentional about focusing on one thing. And so like in our household, I'm really trying to make sure that all of the dishes get off the table and into the sink, hopefully the dishwasher, that would be cool too. Um, But at least like off the table. And so, but some of it comes down to, I have to look at myself, like, am I being consistent? Am I letting them leave the table and not have to do it? And so just what I was listening to that, it was like, you know, but what else am I trying to do? I'm also trying to get them to pick up their room. I'm trying to get them to do school daily. And so there's like all these different things. But I think when you really stop and focus at one thing at a time, instead of trying to do 10 habits at once, just really being intentional with one habit at a time, I think you will find more success in what ends up happening. Yeah. What about you, Christine? I'm I'm curious to hear. Yeah. Well, first, I want to 
comment on something each of you said. So uh, Stacy, when you were talking, it was really reminding me of that statement that says more is caught than is taught. And I think that you're so right that we tried, sometimes we can like, you know, be naggy and be like, do this, like pick up your shoes, pick up your shoes. Like, you know, and it's, like, it's so exhausting. And yet like our kids are learning so many other positive things from us by the way that we model them. So sometimes it's not, you know, we can't make it this huge thing. Like you were saying, I mean, that's exhausting. My gosh. Like if I wrote down a list of all the habits I wish my kids had, I would be super depressed. <laughs> I would be like, forget this whole thing. Um, so I love that you mentioned that because it's so true. Just one little thing at a time. Even us, like if I'm trying to create new habits, anytime I've been like, oh, you know, it's New Year's and I'm going to go to the gym and I drink water and I'm going to eat healthy. Like that is not sustainable. Like this is just not going to work. So one at a time is really great. And then Jenny, when you were talking about habits, it was funny because I was thinking, you know, I think you have taught your kids some really great habits. And one of them is being flexible because like when you're like, hey, we have to adjust and do this, like some kids never learn that because they've never had to do that. So I think that even though it might look different than like, you know, having like a structured, you know, this is what we do every day. Like it's still mm -hmm. habits that you're teaching your kids, which I think is really cool. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> your kids are, I think they're super easy going. I mean, I'm biased because I like all your children, but still. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so for me, habits, so habits are something that I probably spend an unusual amount of time thinking about <laughs> and working on in myself. So I think I end up doing that with my kids, maybe to a fault, but some of the habits that are really important to me with them are I guess really tied to manners. Like it's really important to me that my kids say thank you and that they're grateful. Not in like a fake way because both of my kids are super, super quiet and reserved when they're around people they don't know. But it's like a pet peeve of mine that they will be like appreciative and respectful to other people. So like it's something that I'm constantly modeling to them and then also really like drilling into them, like say thank you. like And like, why are we saying thank you? And why are we going to be grateful? So those things I think are really important to me. Um, and then also just the habit of, of reading is really important to me because I just feel like if you can love reading, you can love to learn and there's nothing that you can't learn. So that's kind of my default is like, we're going to read and we're going to, you know, learn to like it. And we're going to work through, like, there's going to be times when you don't enjoy it. And we're going to just learn to enjoy it and embrace that it's not super fun right now, but that's okay. Um, and then I think the other third, like big one for me is just having, quiet time. And like, you can think about in the sense of like time, you know, in the word, but also just like quiet time, like time to let your, your brain be on its own, because I think that's so important and maybe something that's kind of undervalued. And I think a lot of other habits are kind of hinged on that one. So those are probably my top three. I like those. I like the reading one. And I think that does lend itself well to Charlotte Mason. Actually, all of those do. But, uh, I think, yeah, I think you're right. As long as a child knows how to read and likes to read and at least feels comfortable with reading, mm -hmm. then I feel like they can really do anything. And this is why I don't want to, I don't know if I want to open up a can of worms, but it's, this is something we all kind of talk about. Sometimes it's like, do we really need all this curriculum? Like, do we need all this? Or should we just like have good habits about reading? That <laughs> want this to be a three hour long I know. I just sent you a boxer like 12 minutes long today about this. Can of worms. Christine like looked down at the time of this boxer message and was like, oh my gosh, I've been here for a while. <laughs> anyway, curriculum's a scam. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I think I it's such a good point though. Like when we have really great habits, 
we can kind of make anything work. Right. And I think sometimes if like we want to try to put so many systems and curriculum is a great example of like curriculum can kind of cover up really bad habits. Like you can be a kid that tests really well. Like I was never this kid, even being homeschooled. Like now, if you give me a test, I'm like, Oh my gosh, what year did that happen? Like I'm, I'm, I freak out. So you can kind of cover up like not really absorbing information or being distracted when it's like, if you're just asking a kid what they know about something, like there's not a lot to hide behind. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about something. It actually comes up very early in this section. And this is the whole comparison of habit to like a tool. So I want to read this quick Mm. quote. I kind of paraphrase this here. So habit in the hands of the mother is as his wheel to the potter, his knife to the carver, the instrument by which of the instrument by means of which she turns out the design she has already conceived in her brain. And um, so Stacy, I wanted to hear what you thought maybe about that section. Cause I thought that quote was really profound actually. That is so funny. Cause I have the exact same quote on mine. It's worded differently <laughs> since I'm using the different version, but that is the same quote. Cause I found this since it's right at the beginning, it really kind of set me up for like understanding what we're going to be talking about and how important this really sets the tone for how important she thinks habits are. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, really, they like we've talked about before, we've got good habits, bad habits. Um, and then I will we'll get into this a little bit later, but like what's nature, what's habit and the difference between those two things. But being able to know about habits and utilize them to your advantage as a parent can really help you really have your children grow and learn good habits and Mm -hmm. in sense, teaching them how to be good humans overall. Yeah. So habits, the whole habit training um, component to Charlotte Mason is actually one of my favorite things about the Charlotte Mason kind of method of education, which is, uh, I mean, I say that about every component probably. So, um, (laughs) except narration, I don't like narration, but, um, but we've talked about that before. Uh, I just struggle with it, but habits I think are really, really important, especially with education. And I think that that whole quote about how to use habits in a child to, um, help them grow or help them progress or whatever, like it can all be, applied to education. Obviously, we're talking about education here. So for me, that's like really what I rely on in my homeschool. Like if my kids have a tough time with math in a day, if they have a tough time with their copy work in a day, that's okay. But as long as they know what is expected of them and they know what the habits are that I'm trying to teach them, like if they know to open up their books to the right page and just get started, of course, I'm there to help. And it, you know, it depends on what the lesson's about, how easy or difficult that lesson's going to be for them. But as long as they have those habits, I'm happy. So that's something that I'm really trying to uh, get across to them is, hey, just just know what is expected of you, please. And that's super helpful. Yeah, I really like what you both just shared on page 100, which I think comes like at the tail end of, of the quote you were just sharing. It says children should be saved the effort of decision. And I think this is like another element of why habits are so awesome because you're saving your kid the effort of having to sit there and be like, okay, what's the right thing to do? Or what am I supposed to do next? Or, you know, Hey, like this happened. What am I supposed to do now? Cause making decisions like that's exhausting. It actually is like, there's been books written about like what happens in your brain when you have to make a decision about something. And this is why like media, the way we consume it now is actually so draining 
because everything you see, you're having to decide like, am I like, what am I going to think about this or do? And so I, I loved that she brought that up because I think it's just so true. Like even aside from education, just functioning in life in general, you know, like, what am I supposed to do? Even like habits of like getting up in the morning. Like, what do you do when you get up? Like, <laughs> You go to the bathroom, you brush your teeth, you know, you do whatever. And the more you do that, the less you have to think about it. You just do it. And it's just, it saves so much effort. Right. Yeah. I, I do like that section. I forgot to make a note about that, but I do really like that because that's part of what I do with school. This is why I'm trying to keep everything so minimal at this point is like, let's just do what is here on the page. <laughs> and I don't, and also, I mean, bonus, I don't have to worry about creating a situation for them. You know, I, I just open the page. I already have it set up and, or it's already set up by someone else probably, <laughs> or it's on the Ambleside online schedule. So definitely set up by someone else. And I don't have to think about it. This is what we're reading today. Okay. And also I think that, that not only do, does the, infinity of decision kind of paralyze people but also where was I going with this it might just lead to better behavior as far as there's no wiggle room if you're saying hey this is what we're doing creating those good habits then there's no wiggle room for them to get out of it and I think this goes back to the whole shut the door thing where eventually you reach this point where you're like, oh, but they've been doing such a good job and they're so busy. Like, I'm not going to make them come back. But that's like undoing all your hard work. Uh, so I I thought that whole, I actually, my favorite part of this whole part, spoiler alert, is that shut the door after you part. Because it was actually the one like practical application or like example that was given. Because a lot of this uh, part, which we can kind of get into now, is more like the nature versus nurture, like, Oh, the uh, human nature and all that stuff. It's, and, and like the physiology of um, habit, I think is the section. So uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts, maybe if we move on just a little bit or a little forward, unless anyone wanted to add anything else to the last point. Okay, so what was that section called? Well, I, the next section I had a bunch of notes on was section five. I don't know if that's the next one we're on, the laying down the lines of habit. Yeah, yeah let's just move on to that. That's Because um, nice. I think the one before that was a little bit short. We kind of already covered it. So this one, I thought this was really cool. So I think the second point in here says, we think as we are accustomed to think, which really reminded me of the Proverbs that says like, as a man thinks, so he is. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that really does tie back to what we were talking about at the beginning too. Like people, or in this case, your kids, treat you the way you train them to treat you. Like, obviously there's exceptions. There's kids that, you know, are really strong-willed or have emotion, you know, really strong emotions. I've got one of those. But at the end of the day, like they treat you the way you train them to treat you. So if your kid doesn't do all these things you want them to do, it's, I mean, you kind of kind of ask like whose fault it is. It reminds me of like Willy Wonka <laughs> when the Oompa are like singing about like Baruka and how like bratty she was and it's like whose fault is it the parents you know like so it's hard because you got to look at yourself and go oh gosh but like it's really it's really not a small feat you know like we don't want to get overwhelmed and bogged down but the habits that we instill in our kids really do shape the way that they think and shape the way they treat themselves and other people which is mm -hmm. a pretty big deal yeah well, Stacey do you have any notes on this section laying down the lines of habit 
Yeah, so this is actually a section that I had mentioned to you guys. I was like all excited. I'm like, yeah, there's a Mary Poppins quote in here, or at least in my version. And you guys are like, what are you talking about Mary Poppins for? And so I don't know. There's like this little section in here that's talking about Mary Poppins, but it's um, well begun is half done. Hmm. And I've been actually working with this for like my own self lately is just, you know, the difference between motivate, like motivation is not do like motivation is not like your willpower to do something, but getting something done, like just getting up and starting is half the battle. So as long as you just get up and do something or get up and start that habit or whatever the case may be, getting well begun is half done. So setting mm -hmm. that groundwork and getting ready. So Jenny, how you were talking about, um, you know, making sure that you have this habit, not only for your kids to start school every day, but for you to make sure that you are ready. And I know that my homeschool days go so much smoother when I'm just a little bit prepared. And I know that the day before and the day before that, the day before that, we have like consistently done school. So the more consistent we are with our schedule, I find that the more pleasant homeschooling is because we all have those days where homeschooling is like, why did I do this? this can't be the way it's supposed to go. Um, but then again, it's kind of that reflection on what kind of groundwork have you already set up for yourself? I find that those days come after like a big holiday or after we've, you know, had a week off or after, you know, some sort of change in that schedule. So being able to just get right back on that bandwagon, start laying that foundation again, even if, you know, you do have a habit breaker event that you just jump right back onto it and not let it just keep getting worse. Yeah, I love that. And today is also the day after a holiday. So I am feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking a little too much truth here. I know everyone, everyone's in there like, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm sure when, when you were talking, you know, what really stood out to me? I love that you shared that. And the Mary Poppins, like our version didn't have that, obviously it was pre Mary Poppins, but I like that. <laughs> um, so it was last week or no, the week before when she, when uh, Charlotte Mason first was talking about like, not like using comparison or competition as a motivator. And when you were talking about consistency, that really stood out to me, I actually wrote this in my book, like these habits, it's not about comparison or competition, it's about consistency, because I think sometimes, and we'll get more into this next week, but certain kids natures or just certain people's natures kind of lend themselves towards good habits more so like the habits we value in our culture may be more aligned with certain people's personality traits. Like one of my kids is really tidy, just naturally, like she just is. So it's really no effort for her to pick up her things. Another one of my kids is just very not that. So like, it's a lot of effort for her to, to pick her things up. Like she, I, she has to tell her, you know, remind herself. So I think that I love that you were talking about the consistency because it can be hard if you're comparing yourself, like, you know, your kids are comparing themselves or like if I'm comparing myself to somebody else. So I think that with these habits, it's so important to keep in mind, like the framework of everything that Charlotte Mason has already laid out because like the point of these habits is not to get a gold star. It's to set a foundation for the rest of your child's life and for your life. So I think when we keep that in mind, it's easy to have grace. Like you were just saying, cause there's going to be days where we're like, wow, did not, did not get the things that I need to get done. But the point is like, you know, it's not what you do occasionally. It's what you do most of the time. So that's what matters. And so I love that you mentioned that because I think that's a really encouraging reminder. Yeah, I well, it's important also to remember that this book is home education, which this is for years 
zero through nine of a child's life. So a lot of these things she's talking about are about things that we need to do early on in a child's life. So like um, even in the next section, I don't know if we're ready to move on, but the, in physiology of habit, my, my notes here literally say a bit dry, but, <laughs> but basically explains why good habits should be formed. And then in all caps early. So, so that there's those have, it's like, um, she talks about like brain, like connections in the brain and stuff, like stuff that we talk about now and mm -hmm. how, uh, once a habit, good habit is formed, it's harder to break. And once you form a bad habit, it's hard to break. So you want to do it early so that you're setting your kids up, like you said, Christine, with a good foundation for life, not just for education, but for life as a human being. So I think that's why habits are so important. You know, I talk a lot, I connect all this to like, you know, my homeschool, but it is important to have good habits, even outside of a school kind of context so what do you guys think about that physiology of habit section there it's part six well i noticed that there was one quote that was talking about when you're doing all the habits um you're either passively allowing or actively encouraging habits of children and so those are kind of you're either like ignoring it and but since they're doing it and there's, you know, no correction or anything like that, you're just passively allowing it. Or if you're trying to get them and remind them, then you're actively encouraging. And so, again, that's with good or bad habits. You know, if your child likes to kick you in the shins, I don't know why that comes to mind. I'm just trying to think, <laughs> think of something outrageous. Um, and you, like, just ignore them and you don't let them know, like, that hurts me. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Um then you're, you're basically just passively allowing it. I mean, so, but if you actively encourage them to, hey, let's kick this ball and you're just moving, you don't necessarily change their habit of kicking, just where they're kicking. So you don't have to totally transform a child when you're trying to work with habits. It's just maybe redirecting their, um, their habit that's already there into something that's more useful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, this section, it was interesting to me, this section, she's talking about brain tissue and like she was, what she observed, I think was just brilliant because this was like, we talked about the first week, this was before we knew about viruses. This was before, you know, like penicillin was even discovered. So now we know like what she's talking about, I think you could equate to like neuropathways, which we know are like actual things that happen where you have neurons firing in a certain way. So habits and doing things like when something becomes a habit, it literally is it's harder to not do that thing than to do it because you're like in your brain, it's just like autopilot. So I think it's just a testament to how smart she was that she's picking up on all these things. Um, so I just thought that was really cool. Like I, it, I kind of looked at that section. I went, yeah, like that's like, yes. Like you can tell it was written from a Victorian perspective, but like, I thought it was still all very true. Yeah. It's uh, reading that part. I kind of had to take a double take because Christine and I are reading the original version. Stacy's reading the modern translation. So I kind of had to like take a double take and I was like, this seems pretty modern to me, what she's saying. Like, was this really stuff that people knew at that time? So I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, so again, I said it was a little dry. It is a little dry. I'm not gonna sugarcoat things, but hey, it's a good read still. It's very, very interesting and very ahead of its time. So I think it's worth a read. 
The next section is um, what we had already talked about was shut the door after you, which I like that it like the section is called that basically <laughs> shut the door after you. And I think it's such a good uh, example. And we already talked about this, so I don't know if we need to really beat a dead horse, but I, I really loved the practical application part of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was wondering if either of you guys had any specific thoughts about this section. Well, one other part, about it when it was talking about like how to fix the bad habits with good habits. Um, She noted that when you're doing the correcting that it's, Oh shoot, I should have written the exact words down, but it's like, you're not supposed to like nag your child, but she said um, like expression and encouragement. Like you look at them with like encouragement and something else (laughs) rather than like disdain and terror. Um, But so having that more positive outlook while you're trying to change a habit and also making sure that the change of the habit is never a source of friction between the parent and child. Mm -hmm. So this shouldn't be something that is going to turn into an argument every time. Um, She gave the example of, you know, Hey, we're going to come to this like decision together. This is something we do together that we're going to change. And if you forget, I will help remind you. And so when she did go to remind, she said, remember, I said, I'd help you. So here, this is, this is me helping you. And so that's kind of all it was. So I think she gave a second example towards the end of how, like, you know, if it's turning into fights and all of this. So just making sure that it's not an epic battle. Like it's not supposed to be a battle. If that's the way it's starting to feel, maybe you need to approach it slightly differently. Yeah. I, I like that. I think it's in the same section, maybe Stacy, where in, in our version, it says the dangerous stage. This is like the very end of section seven. Um, and she basically saying like, I'll just read it. It says now that Johnny always shuts the door, his mother's joy and triumph begin to be mixed with unreasonable pity. Poor child, she says to herself, it's very good of him to take so much pains about doing such a little thing just because he is bid. And she thinks all the time her child is making the effort for her sake, losing sight that the habit has just become easy and natural. And that in fact, he shuts the door without knowing he's doing so. So I think that it's such a great reminder that it's not even about us. So like to your point, when there is that friction, you can be like, what the heck? Like, why is, why are they fighting me on this? Or conversely, if you're like, oh, they just love me so much. Like, it's not actually about me. Like, it has nothing to do with me. It's teaching them to do this thing. It's not an emotional thing unless I let it be emotional. So I think that's, it's such a good reminder because it can be like either really elating or discouraging, especially if you have multiple kids, right? Where you're like, oh, like, close the door, you know, and you have a kid that does it, you're like, oh, they just love me. You know, like, it's easy to think of that. And the other one doesn't like, it doesn't have anything to do with more than likely if they love you or not, it's just them learning this thing. So I think it's an important reminder. This kind of reminds me of a book that actually, I don't know why it reminds me of this book. Cause I haven't even read the book yet, but I have a book on my bookshelf called a uh, positive discipline, positive parenting, something like that. And basically the concept is like, don't use negative. Like, so this whole thing, she's using very positive reinforcement, right? It's saying, this is me helping you. Hey, remember what you're supposed to do? Not, hey, do that, you know? And um, I think it's so much easier to go towards things in anger. Uh, I mean, you see this in so many different situations. Anger is so much easier than compassion a lot of the time. So Mm -hmm. it's good to just be mindful. And this is like something I really need to work on. So yeah, I love that. I think it's also really easy to turn a blind eye to Mm -hmm. like to Stacy's point. 
I think sometimes we like overcorrect, right? Like we don't want to be angry. So we just like pretend it's not happening <laughs> or we yeah. like redirect without taking the teaching moment to say like, Hey, like this is not appropriate. Like, would you yeah. want someone to punch you in the face? <laughs> like, you know, like to take the moment of like, Hey, we're going to talk about this because a lot of kids, especially in this age group, I mean, five, six, seven, like they get it. They're not like, I mean, this whole section before this was talking about like children being like born persons. Like I would want someone to tell me if I was being a jerk. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes it takes longer to take the time to explain something instead yeah. of telling it. And so yes. I think she did. That's why I liked this section so much because she actually shows you what you're supposed to say. And it's not like this mm -hmm. is a manual, a, hand, a parenting manual, but it's a good reminder, I guess, at the yeah. very least. And so I really enjoyed this whole section. And then we got into some weird stuff about infant habits. No, um, just a lot of things about nurseries. And so, and then it says some branches of infant education. And when I saw that, I was like, what is going on here? But I don't think she's talking about literal infants, like newborns. I think she's talking also about like preschool toddler age. Is that correct? Do you guys think? I would think it was like one to three. Yeah, when she's okay. talking about like ba baby. I mean, there is definitely infant. I think she means baby, like newborn, can't crawl yet, can't walk, because um, she's talking about like the the schedules for eating and sleeping and whatnot. But um, I think there's there's some of it does kind of creep into that like one to three year old range as well. Yeah, like a lot of the stuff she was saying, I feel like um, in this infant habits part, really I related to with my toddler who's now she's about to be three. Uh, because it's like, hey, please clean that up. <laughs> please clean that up. <laughs> and it's a lot harder to um, reason with someone that age, I feel like. Yeah. Be, it's, yeah. I think that it was kind of like, you guys are right, it was kind of all over. Because in some of the section, it's talking about like replacing his play things. I'm like, well, there's no three-month-old. <laughs> yeah. I was going to be able to do that. But then like in the section of like in our book, it's regularity and then habits of time and place. It's for sure referencing in my eyes, like a little infant. It right. to me, and I know like it's interesting. I think Stacy, you even said that your your book at this section had some interesting like commentary. But to me, it reminded me of some of the parenting books that I read and implemented a lot of things from as a new mom. Like for me, like we for a lot of different reasons chose to really schedule our kids sleep and eating like so our kids were on a rhythm from the time they were probably like five or six weeks old and honestly it was one of the best things I ever chose to do my kids responded super well to it I worked full-time so like when they were little I was like I'm not gonna have them be going to like you know the sitter's house and they're crying because I'm not there to hold them or like, you know like so for me I was like I have to do this for them so I loved it like that section to me actually felt a little more relevant than some of the other things in this but I know that's not been everyone's experience you know so I think it's just interesting. Like you kind of get into some interesting waters here of like parenting styles and it just depends on who you talk to. I don't know if y'all agree with that or not, but. Yeah, no, I think your correlation to this kind of almost being a mini parenting section mm -hmm. um, because it is dealing with children so young, but also like I related to the section a lot as well. Cause when I worked at a child development center dealing with children from zero to five, um, that was actually my first job working with children that young. So there was a lot of learning for me. And 
they had a lot of routines and a lot of schedules going in there. And, you know, at mealtimes, they had, they, they, they were very heavy on independence for children. So we had one-year-olds standing up, pushing, like we were teaching those habits, stand up, push your chair in, grab mm-hmm. your plate, take it to the tray. And I, I think we even like put the food here, put the dishes here. And by the time they were, you know, through the one-year-old room and two, those one-year-olds knew how to do that and could do that because they were exposed to it every mealtime. And so it was just really eye-opening for me because mm-hmm. I was, I had, I had no children at that point in my lifetime to see that a little one-year-old child was capable of doing this. And it was actually, I think, eye-opening for a lot of the parents mm-hmm. that brought their kids in that were like, wait, my kid does that here all day. They're like, can, can you come to my house and teach me this? Because my kid, my one-year-old will like throw their plate on the floor. And so I think, again, it's kind of like where those habits come in. They know when I go to daycare, this habit is in, in place. But when I go home, it's not expected of me. So I don't need to do it there. And so I don't know. I just, all of this just made me think of go- going back to that time in my life when I worked with tiny, tiny children all day long. Um, it was fun. <laughs> Daisy likes that kind of thing. <laughs> I love routines. I love habits. I love it all. I love and you love children. little children is more. You do. do. You love little children. Yeah, all children really. I mean, all all. She specializes in little children, which are not my specialty. So um, sometimes I just fantasize about dropping off my toddler with her and being like, "Here you go, let's do it." <laughs> but yeah, I I think this is like my reaction to this is like semi different, just because. Uh, like our life was so different because we always had someone staying home with our kids and we, I don't know. We just always, I never thought about, I guess my reaction isn't different. I think it's just my perspective is different because I didn't raise my kids like from babies thinking about schedules or whatever, but honestly kids get in a natural schedule. And I'm even, I'm mostly kind of talking about like newborns, even like sleep and uh, eating schedule. It's, I mean, I had to, pump when I was at work and that was on a schedule and that amount that I pumped served my daughter when I wasn't with her and so she was on that same schedule she would basically eat at the same time I was pumping but she was somewhere else and so um, I do think that schedules are important but I never thought about it that way like I never thought about oh this is routine this is schedule these are habits Uh, until much later like with your first kid you're so in that like one phase Whereas when you have older kids, you're like, like with my toddler now, because I think I have the biggest age gap between kids of anyone of all of us here. It's like I had kids doing school and I had a newborn. And it's just like, it's all the same thing. Like it's all the same kind of routine. So yeah, I, I guess that's what my perspective was on that was I, I don't think about these things, but it is actually inherent in our nature, maybe. Yeah. I love it. Can I add one more thing to that? That you're Yeah, go ahead. So I think that this section too, what you could kind of like, if you strip away all of the like, you know, granular stuff here, really what all of us were just saying and what I think Charlotte Mason is saying too is like developing habits requires you to have like a family or moral based home versus like a child centered home. Mm -hmm. So like these are not, it's kind of like, it's, I think she says it differently how like you can't just allow a child to like, you know, run with whatever nature, whatever they feel like doing, kicking shins back to Stacey's example. Um, Sometimes kids want to do things that are really not healthy or safe for them or for other people. 
Um, and, and sometimes they want to do things that maybe aren't going to serve them long term. So if we have a very like child centered environment that just enables them to do literally whatever they want, whenever they want to. Um, and I know that's probably kind of a trigger for some people. I don't like using that word, but I'm sure, I'm sure it probably is because you just see it. And like even in some homeschooling books that I've read um, recently, I read it and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like for one thing, like, this sounds exhausting. I'm not catering everything I'm doing to every single kid like, oh, well, this kid would rather learn in the evening. So I'm going to stay up until 10 p.m. to edit like that's no like we're a family unit and we're working towards things together. Like so we got to have like a standard of like. So like for you, Jenny, like you didn't have like set, you know, schedule, but you did have a rhythm. It was a rhythm of like, this is what we do. Like I pump when I'm at work and you eat when I'm not there. Like you just, you know, so I think it's like, it's just an important distinction to make because then no matter what style you have of parenting, as long as it's focused on like something other than just appeasing the child itself, I think you're going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, Let's see what time. Well, we're getting close to the end here and actually we're like kind of towards the very end of this. I don't know if anyone had anything else to say about infant habits, but if we're all done with that, we can move on to physical <laughs> exercises, which I like. Um, I actually don't like exercising, but I like a lot of the stuff she talked about this and this is a very <laughs> short section. So drill of good manners. I think that's interesting. Um, I really like the habit of music. This is a big one in my house. Was there anything in this section, you guys, that really um, you have experience with doing in your homes? No. <laughs> I, so I've never done Swedish drill. I know. I was going <laughs> to ask you. No, but um, I love that she talked about good manners because I think that does start like really young. And I love that that like ties into physical like exercises. I thought that was cool. Um, like how they're sitting and their posture and all those things. Um, and then just being active, I think is so important. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like we talked about last week, like I love being outside and it's something that I really work to instill in my kids. So even though like, like when it's really extreme weather, we might not be as consistent. Like we try to be outside and be physically active every day in just some small way. And I think that it really does like your kids pick up on it because they learn. Like, yeah. even if it's like, like for your kids, Jenny, like they're feeding animals, like that's like a habit that they're forming. And I think it's so cool that they get to like gods and do that. Like, it's just something that they do physically every day and it's going to become part of their, like who they are. And I just think it's cool. Yeah. And I liked a drill of good manners and that was a good, uh, also Swedish drill. You, like you just said, um, that's something that I don't know a lot about, but this like, that's a big Charlotte Mason thing. So I guess I'll have to do a deep dive into that one day. <laughs> I've been I wanted to do a YouTube video on it at some point because I try to do kind of Charlotte Mason themed things but I'm like I don't even know where to begin I don't even know what this is (laughs) so I know AO mentions it every single year like I think every year of AO it's like Swedish drill is one possibility I'm like what (laughs) what is that please tell me (laughs) um I like the training of the ear and voice and I like the habit of music I mean this is a big thing in our house because we do instruments And um, we also do choir and drama. So that's all kind of like how to communicate and how to make a sound that you need to make. And uh, yeah, I just, I love that. That to me is actually really important, even though there have been several times where I've just wanted to quit because it's really hard for all of us. But it is a habit that my kids are supposed to practice for 15 minutes a day. Sometimes they need my help. 
So that's why I've been wanting to quit or they have terrible attitudes or they're even kind of like rude during lessons, which to me is unacceptable. And it's because they're like, oh, well, we want to quit. And it's like, well, no, this is what we're doing because I think this is a really important skill. And it's funny because I actually know how to play some music. My husband does not. But he's the one who's like super into having the kid learn music because it's something he doesn't have. So and, it's, it, you know, it's something I should have done as a kid, but I learned as an adult. But I do think it's a good skill. And I think these are all good habits. I also like the section at the end, let children alone. Yes. That's the one I had underlined. I was, yeah. I was like, yes, this one. <laughs> yeah. But I figured. I figured. What were you going to say, Stacy? Yeah, no. So, I mean, it was just talking about, I mean, the first sentence here is just, you know, the point of cha- training children to have good habits is so that they'll do things without being nagged or scolded. And I'm like, isn't that everybody's like main goal is, yeah, that's great. If you can do habits or your kid can, you know, even do schoolwork or education and be able to recite it to you. But if they can't take what they're learning and be able to apply that elsewhere and be able to do that on their own, like that's what we're really looking for. So, and you just got to let them alone and let them do it and practice it on their own and make their choices. And yeah. Yeah. What did you have? I love that. I love that. In, in this version, it said, I love that she ends with this. I'm like, really, this should have been at the beginning and the end. (laughs) It's the most important part. It says, in conclusion, let me say that the education of habit is successful insofar as it enables the mother to let her children alone, not teasing them with perpetual commands and direction of running fire of do's and don'ts, but letting them go their own way and grow, having first secured that they will go the right way. Like, I just think it's so cool because, again, this part seemed so counterculture to me, like with the for lack of a better term, like helicopter parenting or like, I mean, I've been around people, you know, like at the park where there's the mom that's like, don't touch this, touch, don't do that, touch this, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm stressed out standing here and I'm a full grown, mostly full grown person. Yeah, not very tall, but like, and it's just, I can only imagine as a kid, like they get dependent on the direction constantly. They don't get to actually develop the habit. Like they don't know why they're doing what they're doing. It's just like, a, like she said, a fire of like do and don't and do and don't and whatever. So like, who knows what decisions they're going to make when they do have their opportunity to do that <laughs> or when that will even be like, gosh, like let them figure it out. Yeah. I feel very strongly about this because I personally know people who, and I know how they were raised and they were raised in this way of like helicopter parents, basically. Mm-hmm. And even being told like which classes to take in high school, because you know how in high school and public school, you can kind of start to choose your electives or like if you're going to do advanced classes or not. These people that I know were always forced to do certain kinds of classes and they grew up and actually they never grew up, to be honest. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like they don't. And these people are like my age and they don't have any sense of self. They don't have any sense of direction. They don't have really a sense of purpose or meaning in their life because they're just like, uh, I'm just going to do whatever someone tells me to do. And that's like, so mm-hmm. I'm so against, and I'm like fighting against in my homeschool. I'm like, please, please just grow the right way. Please just like learn to be a human. That's, I think that's all the point of it all, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that is, is making mistakes, right? Like not doing the habit the right way. And I think that's where that grace comes in. Cause I think some people it's maybe fear, maybe, I don't know. They like, don't want their kid to hurt themselves or do something like, but like the kids have to have that. Like, well, also in a, 
in a homeschool setting, I think a lot of homeschool parents are afraid because it reflects on them. Mm-hmm. When their child tests poorly in uh, any sort of test or when their child is like, you know, on the playground and other kids are like doing math games or whatever. I don't know. That's nerdy, but maybe it happens. Um, and then and then your kid like doesn't know what's going on. It's like, oh, gosh, like maybe I'm doing something wrong. But I, we have to let go of that. That's with me diving into the Charlotte Mason method, diving into only using Ampleside online. Basically, that's me saying Yes, my kids probably won't test as well as other kids, but I'm doing this as a way to form good habits in their education so that later on they will, they will do the things that I hope that they will do. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's wrong. like that, not taking it personal, you know, like, mm-hmm. like you can't take it personally. And also like we talked about, I think it was the week before last, like it really struck me how Charlotte Mason was like an expert at playing the long game. Yeah, it was not this like and none of her philosophy is like do this and in three weeks your kid will be an expert reader you know like it's not like this like hooked on phonics cassette tape thing where you know like it's gonna just pop out at whatever not that that's bad but it really is a long game thing where like it's these little incremental things so no like maybe your kid isn't wherever you think they're supposed to be at some point but it's it's looking like down the road of like who cares what they are aren't doing right now. Like if they're building these habits and building this love of knowledge, like down the road, that's a way bigger payoff than whether they know how to use this, you know, tablet to do a test right now, in my opinion. Exactly. No, I agree with you. Okay. Well, I mean, we're at the end of this part. Did anyone, Stacey, did you want to add anything? Christine, you want to add anything to the, our final thoughts on, on habit is 10 natures? No, no, I think we covered it all. Yeah, I think we kind of beat it into the ground. Right. <laughs> in, in the no next... other words about it. <laughs> yeah, no, we have no other words. So the next part is part four, some habits of mind, some moral habits. I'm actually, you know, last week I thought that this section was going to be like habit is 10 natures. I thought that it was going to be really interesting. Personally, I wasn't that enthralled by it but um I think that this upcoming one I started it I'm like oh okay I think I think I like this one I think I can really have a lot of thoughts on this so I'm excited for part four and to talk about it with you guys because this is so fun as always Uh, so yeah go ahead you know if you want links or information on how you can find Christine you can go to the link on the screen kidslearningforlife.com slash summer book club 2022. Also let us know in the comments or somewhere or just email us at kidslearningforlife at gmail.com. If you want us to keep doing a book club, it doesn't have to just be in the summer. So totally up to you guys. We will do whatever you guys want to do. And if you wanted us to keep doing book clubs, like what books would you be interested in us doing in the future? Because this is really fun for us. And um, it's a fun way to, you know, be on here live with you and create more content for everybody. So yeah, is there anything else we should add? We're on social media at Kids Learning for Life everywhere. That's on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to check out our film unit study uh, webpage, kidslearningforlife.com slash film. And yeah, I think that's it. So I guess it's time to say, see you next time. See you Bye. next time. <laughs>